0: I think of it like being now being in a, at a cocktail party. It's where you can you can carry a conversation and understand and pull threads from what people are saying. And again, it comes back to curiosity and and asking questions. You know, you don't have to say, oh, "I'm sorry, I don't understand." Don't apologize. Just ask more questions. Say, "I'm curious." You know how how does that work and what does that mean? And if that's that, then is this this? And just ask some questions and lead them, and then they'll they'll correct you. And they love most people love talking about.
1: Welcome to Elevate Your Career, the podcast dedicated to empowering individuals from all walks of life as they navigate the ever-changing landscape of their chosen fields. In this show, we'll be bringing on a diverse range of professionals from various career stages to uncover the secrets behind achieving success in any industry. We'll explore how they achieve their career goals and the path they took to get there. Your host is none other than Nicole McMacken. CEO of the Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, an award-winning information technology solutions and staffing provider. Now let's get to the show.
2: On today's podcast, we will feature a fearless leader who had to learn that she needed to switch careers by hitting a patch of black ice and spinning off the road on a Montana interstate. Jenny Moshe, a C-level executive, who has been the sole income provider for her family for her entire career, has some significant takeaways. She lives and breathes the concept of find what gives you energy, and then she does it. Moreover, she touches on how comfortable to be when you're having an opinion and then stating it. Trials and tribulations for us all, including myself. Uh, Find out how Jenny navigated her way in and out of positions until she reached her dream job. This is a podcast that has so many takeaways. Please don't miss it. Jenny,
0: welcome to our show today. Oh, thank you so much, Nicole. Such a pleasure to be here.
2: Such a beautiful day here in Southern California. Now tell me, tell us again where you're located.
0: I'm in Seattle, Washington, and there's the, a respite from the rain at the moment. So it is a lovely horizon right now.
2: Oh, I know. You don't get a lot of lot of sunshine. Well, in the summer, right? Oh, yeah. Lots of summer. summer. In the summer. <laughs> I was, as you know, I was just up there for a speaking engagement a, yes. a month or so ago, and it is quite lovely. I have to say, yes, I, it, it is quite it was- lovely.
0: Quite a joy to have you join us at our in our leadership circles. Very oh, fun.
2: It was great to meet everybody, and and that's where we had touched base and met. And I thought, my goodness, you have so many valuable, tangible items in your your career that you could offer and you could share with our audience. So I'm I'm really pleased to have you here today.
0: Well, thank you so much. It's definitely not been a linear process.
2: (laughs) They never never are. But I know you've listened to our show and our
0: podcast. and,
2: And you know how we always start. So let's hear it. Fun fact about you.
0: A fun fact about me is that I have been to all 50 states and I completed my final state by the time I was 50. And for Inquiring Minds, that was only last year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Do you have a favorite state? Uh, Everyone always asks that. I I have a top five. They're all just glorious. I finished with Alaska though, which I recommend to everyone.
2: Oh, I've always wanted to go. I've always wanted. Okay. Tell us your top five then.
0: Oh boy. Montana, parts of Massachusetts, definitely Washington, Oregon. Is that four or five? Anyway. Yeah. There's, yeah. It, I can't, I switch them out regularly. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. We vacation every summer in Montana. So that yes, is one that of my favorite States. states. definitely, and, and I just gems. love it there. It is, it is. Hidden gems uh, Although, although um, I think there's been, uh, to Montana and Utah uh, in the last few years, you know, quite amount of people moving there. So I, I don't know how much of a hidden gem it is, unfortunately, anymore. We can't <laughs> have it to it ourselves. Out. I know, I know. <laughs> As you're aware, the podcast is really made for individuals who are listening that want to take your lessons, individuals on the the series and take bits and pieces and incorporate them into their own lives. And so, you know, start with you and let let's take your career back to, you know, growing up and where are you from and, you know, everything, you know, kind of leading up to how did you arrive at the C-suite and those, those tidbits are so just beneficial for us all. And would love to learn a little bit more about you as a, as a person.
0: Well, thanks. It's, it's interesting to hear how many of your guests are from the Midwest. I claim to be from the Midwest as well. So there's a good theme going there. That is true, actually, now that you're bringing that up. It's like 90% so far. Yes, so. I, know. I know. And, <laughs> I, think represent? I,
2: and I think we have recordings that are coming out that are no different.
0: So <laughs> that's interesting. There's a theme, yes. There is. There is. Hard-working people. I grew up in Ohio after going to college at Indiana University in Bloomington, I actually moved to Vermont without much of a plan. I did some odd jobs, including writing sales scripts for a video production company. I even did some Foley work, which is the sound effects on a movie. So odd things. But one of the very first more legitimate things I did was I started as a temp. I was a Kelly girl at the time, and now it's Kelly services. But I started as a temporary receptionist at Geiger of Austria You know, I was at the front desk taking the phone calls, the inbound, and I just took every little opportunity I could. And then eventually they offered me a full-time customer service job. I got to name some of the colors for the season, like watermelon (laughs) 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 for a clothing company. That's a big deal. That is, that is. (laughs) And so then I just kept being curious about the business. I would walk in the back in the manufacturing area the sister company was in austria but the uh, the parent company was in austria the sister company was in vermont and so it was just interesting to figure out or watch the manufacturing process and it brought back one of the books that was one of my favorites during college was the goal you know Gold Rat. and so that you know part of what motivated me through my career was just always trying to kind of figure out the process improvements and so that was a very intriguing first part of my early career days. And then one day, one of the sales reps quit in the Western area of the United States. And I was like, I could do it. So I just kept raising my hand. I could do it. And they were like, what? You know, jointly pioneered a new in-house sales rep role around me. And so I took on the clothing line for the five states out West, Colorado, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, and Utah, moved to Denver through the clothing line in the back of a Ford Explorer. And then from there was driving the Western state territories to high-end golf and ski resorts. And so I was driving 5,000 miles a week. So an oil change a week. Oh my gosh.
2: This is Let's back it up just for a moment because I have some questions. So out of college, you move and you take a temporary position. And then from that temporary position, you're working the front desk and you become very curious. You said you would just go into the warehouse, the back of the shop, right? Not, not really. I'm sure it's it's much the line, the line, the, manufacturing right. line yep. the line. And you're just inquisitive, and you're standing there, and you're thinking about why are you back there, and is everyone, is anyone wondering why are you, why are you back there, and is anyone else? you know, from the front office back there with you. Is that a thing or was that just... It was a thing.
0: It it was part of our job. We'd have to go back and check numbers or item numbers or SKUs. And so we would work with the lead manufacturing manager, Connie, and she was amazing. And so she would also share tidbits about the process if we looked up and were watching the garments fly across the room and just tell us about the process step-by-step. Step. So I just kept asking a lot of questions.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Next thing you know, you're just volunteering, it sounds like, putting yourself in front yeah. of everything. Yep, I'll do it. I'll I'll take that on. And did you didn't have any real sales experience, right? It doesn't uh, sound like it. You must have well, been. Well, your...
0: I'll say back in college, I had actually sold books, educational books, door to door, which will okay. build character. So <laughs> that, I had, that
1: will build character. I
0: had, a, I had <laughs> waitressing and uh, sales experience from that angle during college. So I went through a college program the Southwestern company at the time. And, and for two years during summers would knock on doors from 8am to 5pm every day during the hot summer in Texas. Well, an exchange program, but I did get some really solid sales training during that program.
2: That reminds me of myself after college, I worked at a family business. And then when I moved down South, meaning Southern California, not real down South, but, um, (laughs) I worked for a staffing company and my first job was outside sales. And our job was to knock on every business door. And I will tell you, there is nothing that gives you more grit than doing outside sales, knocking on doors. I cannot tell you how many times receptionists called security because Uh I was in the building going from door to door asking if anyone needed temporary services. I remember this one time. I had a colleague with me because we were sharing and and splitting the the building and they, we knew that they were going to call the security. And so we were hiding in the elevators playing elevator <laughs> games. I mean, it was just, I look back now and i it was, it oh. was these little things that you did, but, but you're so right in any kind of service industry when you're going door to door or even you're a, a waitress or um, a server. I mean, that gives you a tremendous amount of grit. So yes, you were well-prepared then to go into sales. I understand
0: that. Yeah, but I just raised my hand. I just threw it out there in the middle of an open discussion, and I kind of shocked them. But then they thought about it and sent me out west. Uh, I got to pick a company car that fit the clothing line, and I was on the road every season was, a, you know, three months or six months. So I would cross switch back across the country from Colorado to Vermont and. I had an apartment in Colorado and the company condo in Vermont for the off season and couldn't even keep a house plan alive.
2: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cause you're, are, are you do you think you're a risk taker? Do you are? Cause you seem somewhat yeah. fearless to me. Yeah. I, I-
0: I feel like that on occasion, but um, that it only took one night uh, on a dark winter night uh, going on uh, across the interstate in Montana going 80 miles an hour when I hit a patch of black ice and was spinning around and backwards as a semi-truck is bearing down on me and ended up safely in a ditch with only a flat tire. But at that moment, I realized, you know, my life is worth more than this customer service salary that they're paying me when the other reps are making sales commissions, (laughs) right? I was a Guinea pig. Yeah. Then I spent some time reflecting on what would be next.
2: What did you do then? So you went back to Vermont and did you say, no, well,
0: maybe? I, I had built a, a life, a little bit of a life in Denver and really liked the community there. And I loved the mountains and Vermont is just really cold, really cold. I mean, Denver at least has sun. So yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I stayed in Denver, but I took that opportunity to, um, read one of the f- my favorite books I recommend to everyone looking for jobs is What Color Is Your Parachute? And I sat by the pool at the apartment. I went through every page. I filled out the whole workbook. And by the end of that exercise, I had a bit of a picture of what would be next. And what would that be? <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> knew I was going to ask. <laughs> I know. So that I didn't really know what to call it, but I was on a blind date um, and we were waiting for our table. And I just chatted up a lady next to me and as she was waiting for a table also. And What she described to me, what she was doing. I was like, that sounds amazing. And I was mesmerized. And it turns out it was called management consulting. Uh. And so I got her card. You know, I was still finishing things up with that sales job. And then I called her four months later. She actually remembered who I was. And shortly after I started as a business analyst at a consulting firm. And so, you know, that was because I could read and write well. I could communicate well and translate. I was known as the translator. I could translate right. what the business was asking for to the technical requirements and the devs.
2: Perfect. I was gonna. I was gonna say for a lot of our listeners because most of them are not technical, right? Yeah. What What is defined as a business analyst, and it's really that bridge. So, yeah. someone who's a, a business analyst has has phenomenal, first of all, mm-hmm. communication skills, as you mentioned, which you do written skills as well. So they're going to the business and then, you know, taking all the business thoughts and ideas and then bringing them back to the other side of the business so they can develop and, and meet that. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, you and I both are obviously in technology, but how often the technical side of the business and the actual business do not understand mm-hmm. one another. And mm-hmm. so you need this intermediary position to kind of sit and straddle between both both sides. So it brings some sense to the organization. So that's interesting. So tell us how old are you now at this point?
0: I'm 25-ish, 26. Yeah. Okay.
2: Okay. And are you loving that
0: job or what, tell us a little bit more? Well, one of my first assignments, even though it was about business analysis, was being one of the bobs. Have you ever seen Office Space? I was one of the bobs. Oh, yes. To, to figure <laughs> out who wasn't necessary and like restructure the organization. I was a helper with the lead on that project to help interview all the staff, figure out redundant roles, realign the organization, and recommend who shouldn't be there anymore. It was awful, actually. I was going <laughs> to you know, say
2: that's a, a heck of a, a place first, to be first
0: in. Gig, but uh, it gave me some thick skin. You know, I do remember standing in the mahogany boardroom of this financial services company. By I happened to be by myself and I was overlooking the Rocky Mountains and I just put my hands on my hips and just said, I have arrived. This is where I need to be. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I love that.
2: I love that. I think that those mantras to yourself and, you know, standing up and saying and voicing it. I I think there are such big deals and there's so many statistics around that now today, but you know, positive self-talk and standing up by the way, I, uh, was recently on our podcast and she does the whole thing on negotiation and, you know, standing up before you negotiate and getting yourself in the appropriate mindset. And I think it's a big deal. So I love that. That's great.
0: I actually had a note from Jane's podcast that was a great episode and so many of them are I just really <laughs> she taught me a few nuggets on that.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, she's fabulous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, I know. Yeah, I agree. Um,
0: you know, that role opened me up to exposure with working with vendors. I was part of the Microsoft Office, you know, Microsoft Project 98 beta program, so voice of the customer feedback for the for Microsoft and you know and I, you know I spent the next 10 years in various roles. So You know, I was a technology project manager, then I uh, grew into a program manager, and then I, you know, ended up as an account manager for different boutique consulting firms um, in Denver. And in my early 30s, I was then managing a team of about 22 project managers.
2: So are you, do you find yourself, because you don't necessarily come from a technical background, right? No. So for people who are really interested in roles like yours, because they actually are pretty highly compensated and you don't necessarily need a technology background what you really need is to be bright you need to have great written communication skills and a good understanding of how to be a great listener right yeah. and and how to bridge that gap so as you're moving up your personal right corporate ladder mm-hmm. how does that translate are you becoming more and more technical by you know, you're talking about Microsoft and you're talking about some of these different technologies Mm -hmm. and you're leading um, somewhat technical teams. How did you do that? And how did you adjust? And and with a lot of women not in technology as well, right? That kind of is interesting dynamic onto itself. Did you have respect from your male counterparts? Like, let's get into that a little bit because I would love to, to know more as you're coming into... This realm of technology, basically an interpreter, but now having really to understand the technology, how is that voting with the male counterparts Mm -hmm. and your understanding and now you're giving people direction?
0: Yeah, for sure. That's a great question because I was very few, if not sometimes only the only female in the room. And so, you know, I was an environmental science and management major in college. I tried one computer programming class and it was the first and only D I ever got in my my education. So I didn't consider myself technical, but I knew computers were, you know, emerging and big time in business at that time in my day. So I think of it like being now being in a, at a cocktail party. It's where you can you can carry a conversation and understand and pull threads from what people are saying. And again, it comes back to curiosity and and asking questions. You know, you don't have to say, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Don't apologize. Just ask more questions. Say, I'm curious, you know, how how does that work and what does that mean? And if that's that, then is this this and just ask some questions and lead them and then they'll they'll correct you. And they love most people love talking about what they do or in technology or translating concepts, because I think it's part of being a technologist is translating those stories or storytelling or being able to translate with metaphors, what we do, because it's very abstract.
2: Absolutely. And I, I know that there is an overwhelming fear of people to be afraid to ask questions, right? But I think the way that you've put it is, you know, I'm curious, help me understand Mm -hmm. a little bit more. That's interesting. So that would mean over, and you're Mm -hmm. asking them in a way that isn't coming out saying, I don't understand that you know take me from a to z. Yeah. And so that's a different mm-hmm. way that puts you in in a better light. You know, you're just asking questions and you're you're just curious.
0: Yeah, I was often the very young one and the developers or the technical team were very mature and so I would just honor them. I you know, anyone in the role male or female, I'd be like, "Wow, you're the one that does this special sauce and oh, I'm so curious about what your role is and how you make all this work." And so I would honor their role because I was supposed to be their leader, right? And they're looking at me like this green 20-something or 30-something, like I know what I'm doing. I honored what they did and their role in the process and the project. And I also got right in the trenches with them. Like if they needed some dirty work done or, you know, here, put this list together so we can feed the file into the database, I'd jump in and and do that. So they knew I wasn't going to ask them to do anything I wasn't willing to do myself.
2: I think that's a big deal. And I think when you're leading teams to know that your leader, your supervisor isn't going to be asking you anything they haven't done already or wouldn't do. And yeah. so I think earning that respect, even if you didn't necessarily have to upload a file into the database, but knowing that your willingness to do and to help and be there and lead you know, side by side, I think is a big thing with leaders. And that's how you garner quite a bit of respect from your team.
0: Yeah, it was interesting during that 10-year period of several boutique firms. I actually, in the middle in there, around 2005, was laid off from one of those by my friend manager who, you know, it was a business decision. I had been on the other side of the doors in the previous rounds. I walk in and I'm like, oh boy. You're yeah, like, oh, I know this. <laughs> the power of the network, I actually reached out to my previous firm recruiter and within two days had another role at a, another consulting firm. So I never even made it to the unemployment office. And it was funny because this same recruiter, I had gone back to, over the course of that 10 years, three times working for her company at the time. So everyone joked that we had a scheme going on.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Are you enjoying the episode thus far? We'll be right back after a quick word with our sponsor, Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC. Are you ready to thrive in the ever-evolving tech industry? The tech world is constantly changing and ITC is your partner for navigating it successfully. Whether you're seeking top-tier tech professionals or the perfect opportunity, we are happy to connect you with talent to transform your business. At ITC, we specialize in placing first-rate, diverse technology talent into corporations with a particular focus on underrepresented groups in tech. We believe in bringing new perspectives and ideas to your team. Together, we can contribute to a more innovative technology industry Diversity isn't just a buzzword for us, it's in our DNA. Whether you're looking at bringing on more tech talent or you're a tech professional searching for your perfect role and employer, look no further. Take a look at www.irvintechcorp.com and pick the best option for you. Be part of our mission to create a more inclusive and innovative technology industry. Once again, it's www.irvintechcorp.com. Now back to the show.
2: Let's talk a little bit about as you elevate your career, your network, and how much that means. It sounds like very, obviously, very useful. And is that something that you still cultivate
0: today? Absolutely. I think I make more of an investment, I think, in my network. And I'll do things when I'm super tired, like even last night going to a holiday party that I'm like, I just want to stay in my fuzzy slippers tonight. I wanted to connect and... You know, I part of my one of my New Year's resolutions last year was to reconnect with former colleagues and friends on a different level since the pandemic. And so I think that human connection serves you well, because even as I wanted to move to different markets, you know, from Denver to Seattle, I was like, oh, I have to start over. I don't have a network here, you know. And so I had visited Seattle and just fell in love with the city, went back to my boss in Denver at the time and just said, hey, if you're looking to break into the Seattle market, I'm your gal. And so 90 days later, they move me out. I start building out a management consulting office in SharePoint and then start building the team there. And, you know, and then you start to build your network because you're meeting candidates and you're recruiting and you're putting the word out, initial face of a company. But you take, you've got to take some chances too. I'm often out of my comfort zone or sometimes just, you know, when you're not in that mindset, but you just have to kind of. Go over that edge and go for it. And I've always benefit. I always come away going, I'm really glad I went.
2: I do too. I was. It was funny last week. I was a keynote speaker, a group of CIOs in Los Angeles, and I was sick as a dog. And my husband was like, "Well, you just are not going to be able to go." I was saying, "No." To your point, yes, I wanted to lay in bed, and I know at this point I I didn't have an opportunity to back out. I, I can't yeah, back out, and so but but I did it. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking to myself, I stay pretty far away from everybody. But these are the things that you push yourself, you make yourself uncomfortable, you do things because not only you have to do them, but because it's you're better, you better yourself by doing those things. I host things. And I, I go out and probably I often, you know, have a, an issue with, you've probably heard me talk about on the podcast, but work-life balance a little bit, you know, too much on the work side. But I, you know, I'm a person that believes in networking and it believes in helping others and, I get joy from that. And sometimes, yeah. you know, starting conversations with, with total strangers. And I mean, look at you, you met that person and that started your real, your yeah. real drive to your career and, you know, business analysts. And, and so it's, it's interesting. And I, I would recommend that to everyone making yourself uncomfortable, pushing yourself. And it's always very rewarding.
0: I think of it as the show must go on. You know, I spent 14 years in ballet in my early days from the time I was four. And I think it gave me the discipline to say, no matter what, if I have an itch on my face or anything, like the show must go on and you can't, it's a performance. Some things are a production. And I think of, you know, some of the folks that are in technology that are theater majors and psychology majors and all the variety of folks that are not computer science majors that add the color to the industry and to what we do. And again, it's just a, it's a pool of great human beings. And so I think learning people's different individual stories is part of what helps with that networking or makes it interesting from my perspective.
2: For sure. For sure, and I mean, and that's if you think about it, that's what we're trying to do on our podcast, yeah. right? Through storytelling, is getting to know individuals, and and everyone has their own story and how they grew up and where they came from. I mean, it sounds like obviously a lot from the Midwest on that. <laughs> yes, little
0: tilted here. <laughs> I know. I, I don't.
2: I, and you know, it's so funny, is you know, most everyone who I interview is is currently not living in the Midwest. Not in the Midwest, right? no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also very interesting. I, yes. <laughs> So tell us a little bit then. So you decided to, again, just up and kind of say, hey, you know, I Mm -hmm. visited, you know, I visited Seattle and I think it's kind of a great spot and I I see myself there. And so you raised your hand again.
0: Yeah. And moved to Seattle. And then uh, shortly after was recruited by another consulting firm that was local and had a much uh, more of a senior um, a, you know, delivery manager role, and so I would have a team, and I love the idea of having a team to care and feed and and manage through, and and we managed some of the global websites for Microsoft, and I was part of you know managing the award-winning cloud campaign for Microsoft that was introducing the cloud to the world, and it would be in all the airports, and so. A lot of, lot of interesting projects for some big clients in the Pacific Northwest.
2: And so at this point in time in your career, you're a manager or you're a director mm-hmm. you're a manager?
0: I am a senior de- delivery manager, but I became an associate partner within the first year, which was very quick in their typical timeframe.
2: And so, all along, since you entered the world of technology, were you thinking... This is where I want to be. I want to be a CIO. I want to be a CEO. I want to be, or was it more opportunistic and chance you went from one to another and things happened or were you really guiding and directing yourself to get to those places?
0: I think the energy you put out towards the universe comes back in some way, shape, or form. I didn't know at that time that I wanted to be a CIO, but I, in subsequent consulting roles with BI and business intelligence and analytics firms, I would see the clients we were working with and I, some were very good and some were not so good. And so I was like, I could do better than that, like secretly to myself, like, I know I can do better than that and and be better for the team you know, and sometimes it was a leadership issue. It wasn't that they didn't know what they were doing. They were smart people. Um, but I, I, you know, that was the time when we were, it was more of a top-down management style than the more servant leadership style we see now. Um, and so it hurt me when when people were not necessarily treated to their full potential. And so I just always knew in the back of my mind, I, I had that seed that I just, someday I want to do that. But I didn't know how to get there. I had no idea how to get there. You know, it was subsequent you know, getting further into my career and elevating as a senior principal at a consulting firm, then I was part of a client, you know, the more client service director role for business development. And then you're crafting the statements of work and the contracts and negotiating with clients at a higher level, making sure the consulting team is happy and we're delivering the results the client is expecting. And so, I loved that role. I love not necessarily being the practitioner anymore and lifting up from having that experience and understanding what the consulting team was going through. But I loved the leadership element of those roles.
2: Yeah, and I have to say for um, the audience that Mm -hmm. I've worked on with both sides of the business. I've worked as our end client with consulting firms whose responsibility is to deliver certain tangibles to the business, whether it be IT or it could be, it could be any type of consulting firm and they have deliverables that need to be met and that they've paid for. Mm -hmm. And it's a really hard job because the end client, um, whoever you are servicing, a lot of their staff, it's an easy blame game where yes. no, it's a consulting firm's mm-hmm. fault. No. Nope. And you mm-hmm. now have introduced a different entity into a business that is really easy to blame and question. And I saw it from as a third party observer many, many times happening. And it's not an easy job at all. And I think the role actually of, a cio for a regular corporate entity outside of a consulting firm is a much more stable thankful job maybe yeah. i guess i'm trying in short to say you know heading up a consulting and mm-hmm. delivering to clients is extremely hard yeah. and difficult and the biggest thing is winning the people's hearts and getting them on your side with the understanding that your intentions and what you're doing and that you know what you're doing. I think consulting firms they they have to be at the top of their game all the time yeah. because they've got to be better than the companies and organizations that are hiring them. So kudos to you for being able and cutting your teeth in that that area because I am telling you it is it is no small feat. It is a big deal.
0: Well, it's a matter of building trust, right? And you and working with those relationships and building that rapport with the client. And then they'll switch out the client contact on you and you start all over. So, but I think it all does come down to trust. And you are constantly demonstrating that you are one of the smartest people in the room or the people and have the team that is smart and can help the client when, you know, solve their their initials, initiation, you know, initiatives or their pain
2: yeah for certain it's 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 a tough job and so i can see where you're meeting with clients at that point in time and and looking at their teams and perhaps again they may have had the the right people in the right seats but maybe not the right leadership and and that's hard for you know CEOs and businesses to to really pinpoint when something's wrong in the organization who really is at fault is it the team are they not Um, Strong enough, or is it the actual leader? And so I can see how you were sitting there saying, Gosh, you know, I can do this. I can do this better because I've demonstrated trust. I build and have to have teams that are are cutting edge Mm -hmm. in whatever, you know, you're out there sourcing, uh, outsourcing. So I, I get that. So that's
0: interesting. Yeah. So I was going about my consulting roles and managing my team happily along. And then a headhunter contacted me one day and said hey i've got this role it's a director of technology i think that your skills in consulting could parlay into this director role and i was like oh the heavens have opened up like yes that's like how because to make the jump from consulting to you know um bit, you know, industry is, is kind of tough. And so I was so thankful at that moment. So that was, you know, a process. And I got the gig as a director of enterprise applications in a larger company. And I was dealing with third-party integrations with Costco and Microsoft and IBM and Apple. And so a lot of, uh, you know, baptism by fire.
2: Why, you mentioned that it's hard to go from consulting <clears throat> direct to corporate. Yeah. And why, why is that?
0: That was my experience because I think I wanted to do that so many times, but I never really, I mean, I didn't formally apply. No, no. I think it's
2: not just with you. That is normal. Like, why is that? Because you're out there working and doing essentially the same things. Even I would say to a greater extent that there's apprehension on bringing people from the consultancy side to the end client, to business. And I I wonder why that
0: is. I think one of the main reasons, Nicole, is that people consider consultants generalists and they want specialists in their industry with industry experience. And I think back to the days early in my career when I had to get my project management institute certification because people looked at me as the green kid on the block and I had to get some legitimate credentials to prove I knew what I was doing because I was so young at the time I was doing these things for government projects and other things. So I think when people started to realize the value of project management, and it took 15 years of my career for clients to want to pay for project management, I mean, that was a lot of times a freebie we would put on top of the development team because clients didn't understand the value. And I think the same thing applies for, you know, I've got a list of 20 different industries I've worked in over 20 years of technology consulting. But when I go to look at opportunities in the past or over the years They want so much specific industry experience that I think it gets in the way of, of, you know, I think the, the folks that can see through that and see that your experience can parlay or translate over to an industry, I think benefits the industry because you have some fresh perspectives and fresh ideas infused.
2: I agree. And I think about that all the time when hiring for my own company thinking, okay, let's get some different thoughts, different leaders, what translates? to your point, from one business to another, what makes sense. I love sometimes speaking to strangers about my business and some of our business challenges and getting a completely different view on something when, when they don't know quite so much about the entity and the business, but just their perspective on how they run their and operate their businesses. And I think it's valuable. Yeah, getting other people's opinions, right? They don't necessarily need to be in the industry, but they have their thoughts and on their own and I think that's why a lot of um corporations look when they're bringing new people in, they they call them, okay, let's we want people from enterprise, you know, large organizations yeah. because you know, those organizations tend to move things quickly and and if you're sitting in those organizations, you're seeing a lot of different things occur often and so when you're younger in your career and you're you're looking for opportunities it's it's great to be in organizations that are that are larger because they're more dynamic and they have a lot of different things going on and constant process improvement right okay. so they're bringing in new new deliverables new technologies and not only technologies but new lines if you're in the in your creative space and if you're in the retail space and and so it's it's really it's really good to to be looking at those types of things and counting them when you're when you're looking to broaden your career and
0: elevate. You know, infusing an organization with different perspectives is key. And I'll, I've always said throughout my career, some of the best hires I've had into technology were library science majors because they can understand how to organize information and data, and they can understand it from a, an end user's consumption perspective. Sure, I
2: could see that. Most definitely. So you've got your job, your final break, as you put it,
0: right? Your final break. (laughs) The bridge over to the other side. side. (laughs) And
2: how old are you at this point in your career?
0: Geez, I'm probably in my early 40s. Well, yeah, that was about 10 years ago. Yeah, I would say early 40s.
2: And Um, so you're feeling like, okay, my goodness, I've made it.
0: I've made it. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't. It didn't work so well. It didn't turn out. Actually. Oh no, and no. Even the headhunter was like, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, no, And like, tell me one. But in the, <laughs> so I left to go do some independent consulting because I needed to get out of that role. Uh, and was it that you just didn't like it
2: because it was static, or was it yeah, more it, of the, the organization
0: itself? Bigger, much bigger organizational things were at play, and the part of that company doesn't exist anymore. And so I needed to leave. But it was a great, quick growth opportunity and working on major legacy systems to pull off miracles. In fact, I even wrote a Dr. Seuss program about the direct fulfillment that I was doing at the time for that. Oh, my (laughs) God. That was crazy. (laughs) But I left to go do independent consulting as a senior program delivery manager. I was, you know, I did things for the London Stock Exchange with Russell Investments, doing a data center migration. You know, I think every step of the way, you learn what you do and don't like. I learned quickly that I'm not a fan of circuits and switches to be my day to day. That was not my special sauce I'm in the network data center side of things. But I, it was great leading or working with that team to to go through that process. And then I, I also ended up you know just doing some marcom work, some marketing communications, automation for Microsoft and Office 365 at the time, and so. I look back at that first director of enterprise applications role and I was like, I learned so much. And I think I think now in every role, like, what am I learning right now? Because it sets you up for the next thing. And it can be painful or challenging or joyful. It's building you to be able to do what's coming next. And I, I take that as a gift with every role I've had.
2: Yeah. I think so too. You know, I think we always focus so heavily on less on what we're doing really well and more on, you know, traumatic events. Someone asked me, was it interesting last evening? They said, you know, share with me your best childhood memories. And I thought to myself, gosh, you know, I, I, I don't want my best childhood memories. The ones that stick out are the real learning lessons that I had. It's the things that stung a little bit that yeah. hurt. That propelled me, and it was really interesting because I said that. I said, "I wonder why that is that I cannot think of, you know, my best childhood memories, but I immediately gravitate towards the things that were that I learned lessons from. and I, and I guess that could be in some way a great memory, too, right? Because right. of those things I've evolved to the person I am today, which is is in an essence what you're saying. But if you think about it, right? When you think what's your your best childhood, and then i I deduct it after, much back and forth that it was my Sunday drives with my family when I was a kid. So.
0: <laughs> and I think it is those emotional moments are what make the memory prints in your life along the yes. way. Yes. Yes. For certain. <laughs> so then, then quickly, how do you, how did you get to the role of the CIO? So then the very next role was that same headhunter reaching out to me. Oh my say, goodness. Okay. <laughs> I owe you one. And I have, this role as a director of IT. And so after four months of courting each other, I took on the role of director of IT. And then I immediately, in my first 90 days, rebranded the department to technology because we were offering services. I redid everyone's job description and we rebranded across the company as technology. And so as director of technology, and then a few years later, adding on more responsibilities with cybersecurity and where the company was going strategically, I... um, Crafted the role of CIO there that had never existed. And together we made that happen. And so I've been the CIO for the last three years.
2: Oh my goodness. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) what What a great story, right? From really curiosity, fearlessness, risk taker, which is a common theme almost with everyone who I have interviewed, is they have a high sense of curiosity. They have really strong communication skills. And They always are willing to try new things at any cost and make themselves uncomfortable all the time and stick their hand up and say, I can do it. Give me a chance and fail fast and get out and then keep going and taking those Mm -hmm. lessons. And it's repeat, repeat, repeat until not, not that you perfected it, but till you've gotten to where you want to be and you're happy.
0: Yeah. And there's been a theme throughout my career that the number one thing people have said about me is my infectious enthusiasm. And so it's everywhere I go. And and that curiosity is part of that. Yeah. And it lends
2: itself to to high EQ, high intelligence as well. It yeah. really does. So so congratulations on a on a fantastic. Thanks you know, in the next 10 years, right? You're going to be maybe president, our first female you know. president. You, know, you never know, right? If politics, were my thing, which they are, not but yeah. Well, but no. thank you. Yeah. Thank Anything you, for is your possible. Vote you have it. You have it. <laughs> so we always end our show with kind of fun five facts about you. We'll go yeah. really quickly. Let's start. So your role model as a child.
0: I would start with uh, Wonder Woman, but it was actually my parents who were both superheroes to me.
2: Oh, I love that. Your favorite professional book, you've mentioned two or three on this. On this. Yeah, but
0: my favorite of all time is Start With Why and Now Find Your Why with si- uh, Simon Sinek.
2: Your favorite destination?
0: Uh, my most recent favorite destination is Ireland. Very easy to get to and U.S. Customs is on the way out as you check in. So super easy. I love Ireland.
2: Favorite downtime activity used to recharge?
0: Uh, dancing in My Kitchen, Making My f- Infamous Coffee Cake. <laughs> and your favorite movie? Uh, Cruella with the Emmas, Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So That's good. great. And it has a, a great soundtrack.
2: Oh, my goodness. I love that movie. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, <laughs> it has been a pleasure, Jenny. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. And if anyone wants to reach out to you is the best way through your LinkedIn or...
0: How yeah, and, and such a delight to talk to you, Nicole. Thank you. My um LinkedIn is great
1: or Jenny Moshe at gmail.com.
0: Awesome.
2: Well, thank you so
0: much.
1: All right, cheers. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Elevate Your Career Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot, and share this episode with them. Or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description of this episode. Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, excels at finding top-tier tech professionals and matching them with businesses. Whether you're an employer with tech opportunities or a tech professional searching for the perfect role, ITC is your go-to solution. Visit www.irvinetechcorp.com for more information. Once again, It's www.irvinetechcorp.com. We'll see you on the next episode.